0: And then if you don't know the answer, because many times we won't, I mean, my kids ask all kinds of questions and now they're older. So I might not know either. You know what? I don't know the answer to that. Let's look it up together. Uh, or I have this book on that. Let's let's read it together. And, and being able to bridge that gap, maybe through a book or a resource or saying, hey, you know, I, I know Aunt Jen actually has experience with that. Let's find out when she's available so we can talk to her. You can be the bridge to the person who knows the information. You don't have to know all the information. Absolutely
1: not. We can. We couldn't, but possibly. Hello and welcome to the Minimalist Moms Podcast. In today's episode, Dr. Robin Silverman, known as the Conversation Doc, will be sharing insights from her new book, How to Talk to Kids About Anything. Today's conversation will focus on practical strategies for improving communication between adults and children, addressing the common challenges in communicating with kids. It can be tough to discuss difficult or sensitive topics, so she provides insights on how to approach these conversations more effectively. And lastly, why we should feel confident and comfortable being the ones to answer the hard questions. This is one you don't wanna miss. I also just want to say here in the beginning, we do cover some sensitive topics that might not be child-friendly, child-appropriate, so maybe save this one for when you're cleaning or for when you're in the car by yourself. But before we get there, I quickly want to share my minimalist resource with you. I recently discovered local candle company Vella Box. They're artisan candles delivered monthly, and advice I always try to give to you guys when you ask me about gift-giving is, hey, you should give consumables over clutter, Choosing consumables over cluttering your house is a great way to treat yourself, but you're not adding clutter to your home long term. This is a subscription box where you choose three different sizes, you receive them monthly, and enjoy them for 65 or more hours. I think that's the big thing for me when I buy a candle. I always see how long it's going to burn to see if it's worth my investment. All that to say, I've been able to work with the owners to create the minimalist candle. I was able to choose the scents, choose the style, choose the packaging. The scent notes are amber, sage, grapefruit, oak, moss, and lavender, which sounds like a big, jumble of smells. But to me, it was hands down my favorite that I tried. It's a 10 ounce candle. Again, it has over 65 hours of burn time. It's 100% soy wax. And it's really cool because the dust cover is plantable and comes in a reusable pottery vessel. So anyways, no pressure to purchase something that you don't need. But if you are looking for something that could be given as a gift this holiday season, I think this is a great candle. And again, that 65 hour burn time makes it worthwhile. So I'll be sure to link Vella box in the show notes. Again, there are local to columbus and i'll also link this candle in the show notes as well if you're interested all right now let's get into this conversation well robin thanks so much for joining me today on the minimalist moms podcast
0: i'm so thrilled to be here very exciting
1: I'm excited to have you here as well. We are going to talk about your book, and I'm really excited about this book. It's called How to Talk to Kids About Anything, Tips, Scripts, Stories, and Steps to Make Even the Toughest Conversations Easier, which I am about to embark on some of my own tough conversations here, which we'll get to, but the birds and the bees conversation keeps coming back up. So this book is perfect to meet me where I'm at right now. So I can't wait to pick your brain a little bit more, but why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself and then we'll get into the conversation.
0: All right. Well, I'm Dr. Robin Silverman. I'm a child and teen development specialist and the host of a podcast called how to talk to kids about anything. So It stems from there, the book, and I wrote a book called How to Talk to Kids About Anything, starting with research from 2017 when I started interviewing people and going through until about a year ago when it actually was done and and getting ready to be published. Uh, I live in North Carolina uh, with my husband and two kids and fuzzy dog. Uh, And we spend a lot of time on that front porch looking out and uh, saying hello to people.
1: Okay, so how to talk to kids about anything. Can you tell me what inspired you to write this book and to start thinking about that parents would want this type of information?
0: (laughs) Well, I mean, not to sound like, oh, it's about me, but I mean, you know, you do often start with yourself where you're like, I really need help with this. You know, this is something that. I I think talking to your kids is one of the most important things that we can do. And we don't want to leave it to other people to do for us, even when the conversations are extremely awkward. So I knew that I wanted to step up and be the one who was having these tough conversations with kids and understanding that, I needed these, I was talking to my friends about it, I found that people in my audiences when I would present were talking about it, and just even like what you were just saying, these conversations keep coming up, the birds and the bees, and we didn't really have a great model for talking about these very tough topics from our parents. My mom handed me a book, you know, when I started asking questions, so I knew for me I wanted them. I knew from my friends that they wanted them. And the more and more I talked to parents, I realized that we needed something that was well-researched, that had voices from all the greatest experts, so that anytime a conversation came up, or we knew if we knew in advance, or if we knew in the moment that we were needed to do some additional research, it was there just right in our hand and we could be like, "Hey, honey, just give me 5 5 minutes and I'll get right back to you on that." And and so that's where it stems from.
1: Definitely. With a lot of these conversations, communication with our children can be challenging because we have to look at each child and say, "What are you mature enough to handle?" Are you too immature for this conversation, but you're starting to have these conversations at school. So we need to have this conversation. So why would you say that your book provides just practical strategies and guidance for improving that communication and just for teaching parents what might be the right stage to have these conversations?
0: interestingly we need to start earlier than we think and all of the research is actually telling us that kids want to have these conversations but many parents are not having them kids start really early with questions we know that how many two-year-olds say why 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 we're, we're used to this and actually when i was thinking about writing this book I was sitting on a park bench with my friend and, you know, our kids were four years old at the time. And she, you know, looked at me and she's like, you know, my daughter started asking about death today. You know, are you going to die? Am I going to die? And I just changed the subject to who wants ice cream. And that is the story I hear over and over again. So the book. Really tells you all different ages that you can talk, how things change over time. Even with that conversation I was just mentioning with death, you know, you're going to start really early with you know, walking on the sidewalk with your kid and, you know, oh, you know, you see a bug, it's not moving. And you can start to talk about, oh, do you know why that bug is not moving? That bug is dead. This is what this means. And and I give those examples in the book. You could do that with sex because you're starting with the body parts and consent. There's so many pre-conversations before the, inter- the intercourse conversation that builds up to the time when that peace happens and i'll be honest with you and i talk about this in the book that when my daughter and i finally talked about sex like what people would say is the with the capital t h e sex conversation uh you know we had had many conversations before that so it's not like you're starting from scratch and the intercourse part is like short it's like not that much of a conversation i'll say more of it was on you know, consent and love and who you would be doing this with and, and what the relationship would look like. There's so much more to it. So that's in there too.
1: Absolutely. It's funny. The the conversation about death, my daughter and I were on a walk. I mean, I think she was probably two or three and we were on a walk with our neighbors and we saw a squirrel that was dead on the sidewalk. And my friend said to her daughter, she's like, oh, no, it's just sleeping. And I told my daughter privately, I was like, no, it's dead. And then I was like, am I too intense? But also I want her to know these things now so that they aren't startling or she doesn't know how to deal with them. And again, everyone's approach is going to be slightly different. But I felt really comfortable. This is just I can say that this is death and then we're going to have the evolving conversation as she continues to grow. Cause I'm still having that with myself as a 35 year old, just facing mortality and what is death because people are dying around me. There are different levels. And going back to the, the sex conversation, I've heard to introduce it earlier than we think, because it, at a point it's just mechanical versus that, uh, the hormones that are driving those feelings of ick for an 11, 12, 13 year old. So really getting to the mechanical side of like, this is just a body part. This is just a body part. And then moving forward again with those progressive conversations.
0: Right, I mean, there's there as I mentioned, there's a lot of pre conversations that happened before that that particular conversation, and so we were stemming from that she already knew about the egg and the sperm, she already knew about the body parts and about consent and about love and and so when she finally asked me, but how does the baby get in there, I had a place to start with where it was. Oh, remember when we talked about the egg and the sperm, and then here's where they come from. And then the questions that you answer come from your child. Instead of you feeling like you need to give this long soliloquy, you're answering questions and you're not providing so much that it overwhelms. It's part of the development of the child. And you know your child best. How much information is too much? And my kid was like, wait, I don't want to go to bed yet. I love having these conversations with you. I'm like, it's 10 (laughs) o'clock. It's late now. It's time for bed. So you can do it in increments. And when you're done with that conversation, it's going to pop up again and again. And there's going to be more and more. In fact, my daughter just was talking to me yesterday she got this new app on her phone. She's 14 now. And it's about ovulation and you know, periods and stuff. And so she's like, wait, what, what's ovulation again? So you know, you keep revisiting all of this. You're like, why would I need to know that? Well, you don't really need to know it now. But here's why you would need to know it later. You know, This is why it tracks it. So the conversation evolves. And I love that. Uh, it, is, it is one of the best things. When you put yourself in the situation and you're going to have that awkward conversation, think about the future conversations you're going to have too. Because if you can't talk to your kids about these of types of things and lay the groundwork, they may not feel like they can come to you when things are bigger and the conversations get more awkward, although they don't because you're like, I've already done that. And I feel less awkward because I've been talking to you all this time.
1: Staying in this realm of difficult or sensitive topics, can you give me some insight on how to approach those conversations? Because again, not everyone might be ready for that conversation, but it might still need to be had.
0: Oh, that is a tough one, isn't it? Yes. So, as I mentioned, what, you know, if you can start having those conversations about the bug on the ground, the uh, the plant that's really an easy one, right? Like the plant is wilted. Now it's crunchy. And now, you know, this is, this plant is now dead. It's not putting forth new leaves. This is what death means here. The butterfly, some of these little things that we see every single day, that's really helpful so that parents understand, um, how to just get the words out. It's almost like practice, right? Somebody asked me, Robin, when did you start talking to your daughter and your son about adoption? Because we adopted both of my kids. I said, at infancy. Why? Not for them. They didn't understand what I was saying. But for me, so that I could get these words out so that they can understand what I'm saying. So as you're starting with some of these pre-talks that I call them, where you're talking about some of these, the bugs, the, the plants... That can help, again, give you a springboard for discussion so that when the neighbor passes away um, or when, um, you know, they hear something on the news, it makes it easier to start talking about or, you know, as people will come to me and they're like, oh, my goodness, now my, my mother-in-law is has cancer. She's in stage four. They know, They know that she's going to be dying at this point. They've told us there's nothing they can do. What, what? How do I talk to my kids? That's a different conversation. And we do need to be able to say the words. We definitely don't want to say, you know, grandpa went to sleep because that can scare a child into thinking, well, anytime somebody goes to sleep, they're going to die. Um, at, in the same way, we want to make sure that we're using the proper words without needing to give so much information that it scares somebody. You're not going to tell your child about you know, Uncle Vinny, who was in the war and how he died. And if it was really gruesome, you're, you're, you're just talking about death and how can we commemorate this person?
1: Absolutely. So this is something that I'm processing as you're talking. My next question for you is going to be, why do we feel confident and comfortable being the ones to answer those questions? But as you're talking about death, that may be a really hard conversation or a hard answer to give if we are uncomfortable ourselves or haven't reconciled that or aren't familiar ourselves, if someone's asking something about the body and we're like, oh, I don't even really know what such and such is. ovulation is. I don't actually fully know what that means. Then we have to deal with our own stuff on top of being the expert, or we should be the expert in these things. And so I think that's what makes it so overwhelming. So really having these conversations with yourself and facing things that maybe you're afraid of, or you haven't really thoroughly thought through, it's a good time to just kind of start educating yourself in certain areas. But the thing that got me thinking is just yesterday, we're recording this on September 12th. So yesterday was September 11th and my daughter was going through some of her history work and she saw at the end of the year, one of the events is September 11th. And she's like, Mom, look at this building. It's on fire. And today's September 11th. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I probably should have had this conversation with you. You're eight. And I haven't talked to you about this yet. But then that brings in terrorism. And then that brings in countries not liking each other. Then it goes even more depth of like political possible biases towards a certain. I don't know. It just seemed like. It was a lot,
0: yeah, you kind of overwhelmed yourself, yeah and I'm like, right?
1: I don't even know where to begin and also what's age appropriate. So sorry, I just said a lot at you. I will give you the floor.
0: that's okay it, we we do this to ourselves. people ask me like why why aren't we having these conversations? Yes, they're awkward. Okay, that's one reason. Somebody might think, like, oh, September eleventh like I'm going to allow the teacher to do that. Like that's somebody else's job. That's not my job. There's a lot of reasons why we do it. But one of the ones that you just mentioned is just can feel fairly overwhelming. Like, yeah, I don't even know where to start. I hope my book helps with that, honestly, because I give a lot of conversation starters and places to start. But I understand that, you know, that it can be that challenging. Again, like we want it to be led by our child. So if she's asking you about September 11th, you might just say, tell me what you want to know. You know, what have you heard is a great starting question so that she can say, this is what I heard. I heard that there was a plane and it crashed into the building. Was it not looking where it was going? That's where you can, you know, start with the conversation about Oh, actually, here's what happened. and it, it this this there's a person from another country, and we have a lot of great relationships with countries. But this particular person um, felt that our country was against their country. And we wanted and wanted to make sure that everybody knew that that was not okay. You're starting with very simple language, you know, and you can, you could say, you know, sometimes we we've all been very angry. This person was taken over by anger and it never stopped happening. It was so, so angry. And he put a lot of people, you know, in danger. And this is what happened. So you can give the facts without going into, a two hour lecture that you would get in, in college, uh, starting from there and then asking what other questions do you have? This is what happened. What other questions do you have? What do you think about what you just heard? You know, and, and talking about it. And then if you don't know the answer, because many times we won't. I mean, my kids ask all kinds of questions and now they're older. So I might not know either. You know what? I don't know the answer to that. Let's look it up together. Uh, or I have this book on that. Let's, let's read it together. And, and being able to bridge that gap, maybe through a book or a resource or saying, Hey, you know, I, I know Aunt Jen actually has experience with that. Let's find out when she's available so we can talk to her you can be the bridge to the person who knows the information. You don't have to know all the information. Absolutely not. We can. We couldn't, but possibly.
1: Absolutely. What do you think about sharing from your own experience? So as your kids are getting older, I'm thinking maybe like tween high school, is there too much to share from our past? How much is too much?
0: Mm. Well, that will definitely depend on the person and your kid, your relationship and your connection. But I would say I do use my experiences a lot, especially now that my daughter is in high school and there's a lot of talk about dating and, you know, what the boys are doing, what the girls are doing. Certainly, when she was in fifth grade, I talked a lot about my bullying experience because she was having challenges with friends. That's when you become a real person. You're not just giving the fairy tale and you know the broad brushstrokes. You can say, "Here's how I messed up. Here's what I wish I did instead." I mean, I certainly have told her. You know, when I was dating this person, I made this mistake. I wish I had done this. Um, I learned this later and you might not learn this from the story that I'm telling you. I hope you do because it really stinks, but you know, you'll, you're going to learn this along the way too. And hopefully my telling you this might make it so you don't have to learn it really the hard way. Where it gets to be like too much is I think when you're trying to become sort of buddy buddy with your, your child trying to, you know, make them think that you're maybe cooler than you are. I don't even try. I'm not cool. Uh, I just, I'm just not. So, or if you're, you're giving information that isn't really helpful to the conversation, it's just extraneous that then you can, you can say to yourself, this is probably not necessary. If your child asks you directly about something and you feel like it will lend itself to the conversation, that's great. You might, maybe you think to yourself, okay, I am talking about sex and my my child is now asking me, when, when did I first have sex? And you might be like, this is not something that I feel comfortable sharing. That's that's for you to decide. But you may say to yourself, you know, I wound up being the last one uh, and, you know, I I didn't lose my virginity until, and you, you might say that and say, that doesn't mean that that might be your reality, but this is why I made that choice. Or you might say, actually, I, I went, I, I did that much earlier than I should have. And here's why I feel like I really wished I waited. I, I was a wreck after, and here's why. So sometimes you, the information is actually quite helpful if you're not just saying it to say it, but saying it Because it helps the child understand better the lesson that's behind it.
1: We've talked about death and sex, but you also talk about bullying, the gift of failure, money, anger, anxiety, friendship, and more. I think this is kind of a hard question, but I'm curious if you have throughout, like, a a theme woven throughout all of these topics that you would say this insight is what a parent or educator should take away from all of these mm. topics? What it would be one piece of encouragement or insight you would say?
0: My feeling about conversations is that the most important piece is connecting with your child. So you don't want to go into a conversation where you're just talking at somebody. You want to be remembering that a conversation is between two people or more. And you shouldn't be the only one talking. So if you feel like you're going on and on, stop. Ask the questions. Find out how the person feels about it. Let them get some words in. The connection part is of the greatest importance, probably more important than than the words themselves. Because they can, they can set the stage for additional conversations, and try to drop drop the agenda, right? Oh, I want I want my child to know that when when they have a test, like never give up. You know, do your test, and then if you didn't do well, you go into the teacher and you tell them what you did, and then you demand to take it again. Like you might have an agenda on there, but your child needs to come to their own conclusions about what this information means to them. So instead, be curious. Go into conversations with curiosity, understanding that the other person will have just as much to say and just as much information for you to learn than for you to depart.
1: Absolutely. Just assessing my own parenting. The other day, a little boy told my daughter, you're stupid and you're ugly too. And to me as a 35 year old, I'm writing him off and I'm like, oh, your value doesn't come from boys or anyone else. Your value comes from the things that you know to be true about yourself and you're beautiful and this and this. So I'm expecting my eight year old to have all of that uh, confidence and self-awareness. And I have to remember I think even when our kids are mature, that they are still the age that they are. They don't have that experience that can make them confident or fill in the blank. Um, I don't know. It's just something I wanted to make sure I said.
0: Yeah, you know, it's it's, the reason why I started with chapter one, which is all on big feelings, is because that's really where we all start. You know, I have a whole chapter on self-esteem and confidence and body image, and that's a really big chapter. I certainly, you know, have felt that throughout my life. But that first chapter on big feelings, that's where we start with those conversations. Like somebody calls you a name and you know what? That feels really crappy. And you can say to your child, I bet you that hurt your feelings. And and I I, I can feel that. I remember when people have said things to me like that. And it really does hurt my feelings. And, and I don't know why he said that. And you can sit with that for a little while before you get to the next piece. You can give yourself permission to just pause, to wait and allow your child to digest the information, be able to say, you know what? Yeah, that really did hurt my feelings. You know, sometimes when somebody, we don't even think, we don't even know them that well. We don't, they're not even like somebody we would have over for dinner. And they say these words to us. And even though they don't, we don't really know them, it hurts our feelings. And then we can have a bunch of friends and mommy and and all these other people around you going, you're beautiful. I think you're beautiful. And who's the person we hear the loudest is this person we wouldn't even have over for dinner. So you can put it in perspective and allow that voice to be heard and then move on to, well, now, how, how come his voice is so important to us? Let's. Let's say should we should we make it that important to us? How can we dwarf his voice? And maybe we can do an art project. Maybe we can write some notes to ourselves. Maybe I can write a note and stick it on your mirror about how gorgeous I think you are. You know, and and you can then work with her in tandem to get to the conclusion.
1: That tandem, that connection, the relationship is so important. And you may not feel like you have time to sit and spend a ton of time talking about these things, but I think we have to remember if we don't tell them, someone else will. That's and right. So we want to be, that's, that's our responsibility as parents. And that feels heavy, but I think we should feel confident in knowing that we do have answers. And if we don't know right away, again, taking some time, looking things up, having a bridge of someone we can chat with. But I love how you say only we can offer our children the truth while keeping their developmental readiness in mind and their best interests at heart. Like we want the best for our kids. We're the probably the people the most in the world that want what's best for our kids is the parent. So I think it's so important to feel confident in tackling these questions. And I think books like yours are incredibly great resources to help us do so.
0: Thank you so much. It is the important thing to realize that when we do not have the conversations with the kids, they still want to know and they still may do the opposite you want them to do. But we do need to have the conversation because otherwise, it's the boy, you know, in the back of the bus who's going to educate your kid about it. It's somebody's big brother or big sister. It's the internet. Who do you want to, to tell your kid about? Sex, porn, failure, you know, anxiety, depression, suicide. Who do you want? You want you because you are their, their best asset. You are the person who loves them the most. You know their developmental age. You know that your child is extremely sensitive or how they receive information. They, they like the facts. You know them and they trust you. And every time we step up and have those awkward conversations, we are paving the way for having these amazing conversations now and in the future.
1: Absolutely. Well, Robin, where can listeners grab a copy of your book or connect with you online?
0: How to Talk to Kids About Anything is available anywhere. Books are sold from Amazon to your indie bookstore to Barnes and Noble and Target, everywhere there. Uh, my podcast is How to Talk to Kids About Anything, and my, uh, my website is drrobinsilverman.com. And they can find me online. I hope I'll be communicating a lot with you. I'm on Instagram under Dr. Robin Silverman and same with Facebook. And X, I'm just Dr. Robin with a Y. D-R-R-O-B-Y-N.
1: Awesome. Well, as we wrap this conversation up, I asked my guests two questions at the end. And the first one is, what's been a beneficial resource in your life that you want to share with the listeners? You know, it's so funny that you asked that because
0: uh, I had made this big mistake where my oldest child, I was giving all these skills to. And I felt like my younger child, I was just taking over a little bit too much, you know, how you like, I'll just make the sandwich for you. So uh, I would say Julie Lithcott Hames wrote this book on how to raise an adult and like, it like <laughs> shocked me and like pushed me into, you know, getting that all set and making sure that I uh, had skills. And I actually wound up writing a whole thing on 118 skills every kid should have by 18. So I would say Julie's book helped to make me think of it. And I've taken my son through all these different skills that he needs. And we're just checking them off the list. So both of those are really helpful resources.
1: Well definitely send me that link and I'll put it in the show notes. And I, I remember this book. It came out in twenty fifteen. It's How to Raise an Adult, Break Free of the Over Parenting Trap and Prepare Your Kid for Success. I downloaded this on my Kindle. I think it was on a good deal and I never got to it. So now it sounds like I need to go back and read it.
0: It's really good. It's just it just reminds you that you need to step back in order for your child to step up.
1: Yeah, that's hard to do sometimes. So it sounds like it is. (laughs) All right. Well, my last question is, what's something you can't stop talking about?
0: Oh, you know, this has nothing to do with my book, but I am amazed by the people in my neighborhood. They are like the best people in the world. I moved to a neighborhood that is so neighborhood-y that everybody is so they help each other out. If somebody is like somebody has a kid in the hospital right now, we're like, all right, we're sending balloons. Does who who needs to do the meal train? At a party, we all help clean up. The toast has to do nothing by the end. And with my book, like they have rallied. And all of them are coming to my first book signing. Like this entire neighborhood is just like uplifting and going to the book signing for how to talk to kids about anything. So I can't stop talking about my neighbors. I think they're freaking unbelievable. I consider myself so very
1: lucky. It's really great to have good neighbors and very bad Mm -hmm. when you don't. (laughs) So Yes, that is for sure. That is for sure. Well, Robin, thank you again. Your book is How to Talk to Kids About Anything, Tips, Scripts, Stories, and Steps to Make Even the Toughest Conversations Easier. It's out on October 10th. So thanks for giving us a sneak peek in this conversation. And I appreciate you. Thank you. I appreciate you. Thanks so much, Diane. What did you think of the episode? I hope you enjoyed the conversation.